Devin, it's time for something new. What are we going to do, Luke? We must restart this podcast, but not a full reboot. I mean, there's aspects that people enjoy about the show, but I feel like we've been going on for so long, and it's tough to get into for new listeners. Fair. Is it time for a soft reboot, Luke? No. We're just going to pretty much tell the same stories and do podcasts in the same old way. We're just starting with the new number one and with no background continuity. So no Multiverse of Q Mansion, no reincarnated Javier Files who's been possessing your body for a while. You know, something new for the listeners. And then we'll get some sick new money off those new number one sales. Money, 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 money. Let's reboot every week. No, no, that that's a bad idea, Devin. I don't think so, Luke. Do you know how many Spider-Man number ones I own? Yeah, but how many of those are actual reboots and not just new number ones? Doesn't matter, we can still get that money, money, money. Maybe we can. But, uh, yes, welcome to episode one of Ultiversal Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. In ultimate podcast form. The ultimate form of podcasting. Complete with sometimes weird background sounds. Um, yeah, so we should probably introduce ourselves again because this is going to be our new number one episode and hopefully everybody's going to be like oh hey this podcast that i liked has a new number one you should listen to it truth uh so my name is luke Hare. i go on the internet as coltreg i also run a few actual play podcasts and i have a problem with alternate universes in that i like them not that i think that they are bad well, I am Devin Warner, and you can find me online usually as Fred O'Fett, and I just like talking about that Spider-Man. Yeah, which, I mean, this is a good place for you to start off. It will be, because pretty much all the good books we'll be talking about is the Spider-Man books. With, like, maybe five limited run series in there as well. Yes, and certain aspects of other ones. Yeah. The, be- uh, the so beginning for... of Ultimate X-Men was good. And, I mean, Ultimate's number one, or Ultimate's volume one is problematic, but it has some good stuff in it. I like both Ultimate's one and two. But, yes. Number two definitely got a lot more jingoistic, but we are sort of getting ahead of ourselves. So, the Ultimate Universe was Marvel's attempt uh, that was... Uh, concepted by Bill Hamas uh, to basically come up with a new universe using current characters who people like while keeping the old universe around, which is the opposite of what DC normally does, where they're just like, oh, no, that uh, old universe, we're not going to look at that ever again, or only crossover events, or uh, that stuff that you memorized no longer exists anymore and that leads to all sorts of very weird problems and um yeah so this was their attempt to not do that and brian michael bendis 
uh, started on the new Spider-Man series with art by Mark Bagley, and they would go on for 111 uninterrupted issues, which That's topped the, yeah, that is the longest run by a Marvel creative team. Mm-hmm. Oh, easily. Like, yeah, like that also surpasses Stan and Jack doing Fantastic Four. Yeah. Stan being Stanley and Jack being Jack Kirby. I don't know how much familiarity a lot of these listeners might have, all these potential new ones that we have. Yeah. So we'll also try and keep things a bit slower and more relatable. Well, that's even pretty much one of the longest runs for, uninterrupted for, like, comics. No. Um, Manga, Devin. Manga. Oh, I guess. I mean, they'll do for Western comics. For American comics, because I mean, you get into Western, and you can include a lot of European comics that we never hear about. Yeah, with some of those, it depends on within what you refer to them by longest. Because I know that technically the longest one is actually the people who made Asterix and Obelix, but they don't publish them like. On the record. regularly, yeah, yeah. But for well, like year yearly time, they win. It was yes. like 50, 50, 50 or sixty years, I think. Yeah, but even then, that I don't think is the same team that's been doing it forever. No, it was because the one dude who did the writing for it died like three years ago. But he didn't do the writing and the art. It wasn't the same writing and drawing team, was it? Yeah, it was. And now the dude oh, who was wow. the who was the artist is now doing the writing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. There, now you can say that you learned something that might be valuable when talking to nerds. Um, but yeah, so the Ultimate Universe was about cutting out continuity for new readers making a new, more modern world for the characters to inhabit and returning heroes to the original premise. And so we're going to start off with a recap, uh, covering a number of issues, and then we're going to sort of discuss how successful they were and rank them by that level of success for the, I'd say, four stories that we are going to cover. Well, no, three stories we're going to cover today, because... We are going to be covering Ultimate Spider-Man number 1 through 8, Ultimate Marvel Team-Up number 1 through 3. The first issue of Ultimate Marvel Team-Up is a one-shot, and then uh, issues 2 and 3 are a uh, two-parter. And we don't really get enough of the second arc of Spider-Man in our coverage today, but there are some things that we wanted to introduce, that I wanted to introduce. So and Luke wanted to ruin... The trade order. Yeah. Uh, if you want to read along at home, you can go and get on Marvel Unlimited, or if you have the Comixology subscription, I believe the first few volumes of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man are on there. Weirdly, there are no digital collections that I have seen of Ultimate Marvel Team-Up. Yeah. But I feel like that may be... A good choice because of potential continuity conflicts. Well, doesn't that one switch even who it's about later, too? 
It might. Because it introduces but that I mean, weird the... character that no one's ever heard of before. It looks like a weird, like, owl-type person. And every time I stare at them, it just reminds me of, like, Big Daddy from Kick-Ass. Uh, let's look this up really quick. Um, not seeing anything about that. It looks like it's Spider-Man all the way through. Well, maybe we'll hit what I'm thinking of at some point. This is Future Luke. It's Ultimate Adventure. If you know what Devin is thinking of, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MultiversalQ. M-U-L-T-I-V-E-R-S-A-L-Q. As in the letter Q. Let us get into our Spider-Man talk. Issues 1 through 8 were written by Brian Michael Bendis with Bill Hemis uh, getting a story credit. Pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Art DeBear and Dan Panosian, with colors by Steve Busoletta, Marie Javins, color graphics and transparency digital, with letters by Richard Starkings and Comicraft. And we immediately get introduced to Norman Osborne of Osborne Industries Incorporated, which is working on a new product called Oz that uses animal DNA. And we don't get a lot of details about what it's supposed to do beyond it's going to revolutionize everything. Well, everything was going to revolutionize everything back in the year 2000, Luke. Yeah, I don't think I'd actually mentioned the year that this started, because this was uh, the early 2000. Year 2000, exactly. Yeah, October 2000, which meant that things are going to get 2000 as hell. Hell yeah. We are also introduced to Peter Parker, who is a nerd who has a weird 2000 sense of fashion. We're going to have a image gallery up at the website at multiverseq.com so you can go and see some of what we were talking about. But yeah, this is like 2000 as hell. Those glasses. And Peter Parker. <laughs> Those glasses. Peter is normally picked on by Flash Thompson, who has a ugly 2000s as hell bull cut, and Kenny Kong. Peter also has a crush on Mary Jane, another student who is also very smart, like he is. Peter is protected outside of school by his hippie-ass Uncle Ben, who fills his paternal role, and in school by Harry Osborne, who needs him to help him study and not fail. And you want to talk about that ponytail? Oh, man. So Uncle Ben has, like, the world's most kick-ass ponytail. That man was alive in the 60s for sure. It's going all the way down to pretty much to his butt. He is able to pull it off well, which is important. Oh, yes. I don't know. This was I really liked this whole thing with Uncle Ben that they do here in this series because we actually get to see him be fleshed out more. Mm-hmm. Instead of just dying. Yeah, because normally, I mean, we know of Uncle Ben more of as the myth rather than in this series where we actually get to see Uncle Ben like the person. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the characters get a good amount of fleshing mm-hmm. out. Uh, like Harry Osborn, they definitely change up the dynamic where he was actually friends with Peter to, oh, no, Harry is pretty much just using him, but is not going to risk his neck for him or anything. Yes. And we also get one of the things well, that's, I that's how early, well, that's, doing. That is how early 
Harry Osborne was. They weren't necessarily friends. They just met but up was it more of a college more? Hmm. Okay. Because he meets he meets he meets all of his supporting cast in college rather than in high school, like in this book. Interesting. We also get one of the very great bad uh, 2000s-isms, which is see you on the flip mode. Which I love, because I've never heard anyone say that. Is that going to be our new sign-off? It could. See you on the flip mode. good one. Yeah, because nobody understands where our old one was. True. But yeah, it's see you on the flip side, people. Mr. Bendis... No one has ever said flip mode. Maybe it's a New York thing. But he lives in Oregon. It's an Albany expression. Oh, I see. Yes. I'm from Albany, though, and I've never heard it. Utica. Uh, yeah, so Peter is bad at sports, and in general, his Aunt May and Uncle Ben are worried about him, but they are supportive since he is getting his schoolwork done, and he seems to be fairly well-adjusted. In his free time, he works in his basement lab that he has where he studies his father's research because both of his parents died in a plane crash. And currently, he is working on a molecular adhesive that his father worked on. I wonder what that might be. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, Peter's class ends up visiting Osborne Industries Incorporated, which is so much more word garbage than, like, Oscorp. Oh, yes. And Osborne Industries Incorporated makes a bit of everything, except for a good relationship between Norman and his son, oh, Harry. Oh, snip snap. Yep. And so, while there, the genetically altered spider bites Peter and is then stomped on and Peter blacks out. And when he wakes up on the bus, Mary Jane is there to comfort him. Osborne, not sure about what's going to happen next, decides to pay the medical bills, send him to Fruit Basket. And while Aunt May and Uncle Ben are completely happy, Ben is willing to look at what happened here as an accident and forgives Osborne. Because Norman doesn't want that lawsuit. Because mm-hmm. this is back in the early 2000s, right after we had the hot coffee incident, and we're ready to start suing everyone for everything. Do do I need to school you on what actually happened to the hot coffee incident, Devin? I mean, to be fair, it was super hot. Yeah, they had to get skin grafts. It was not, oh, this Starbucks spilled on my lap, and now it's a bit red. It was, oh, uh, it was too hot, and now I literally have skin that is Let's not gross out people on this podcast yet. You're gross, Luke. Yeah. That was also when we got the McGriddle, Devin. Do you remember the McGriddle? It's still around. And salad shakers. Oh, yeah. Those were a mistake. Those were a mistake. (laughs) Apparently having like 20% of your salad be dressing is a bad idea. It is not healthy. Damn, yeah, I forgot about that. My mom made some of those. She usually she yeah. usually poured out a lot of the dressing. <laughs> yeah. The next day when Peter's back at school, rumors are flying, but when Kenny Kong tries to trip him, Peter is instinctively able to trip Kenny instead before he faints again. 
He gets checked out of the hospital. The doctor takes a blood sample, which is stolen by the mysterious Mr. Shaw, who works for Osborne. And Osborne's like, I, I don't want any of this getting out. Let's just kill him in an accident. So Shaw tries to hit Peter with his car, but Peter dodges it and the car crashes into a tree. Peter tries to go and help Mr. Shaw, and that is when Mr. Shaw pulls out a gun, so Peter runs away. And Osborne, hearing that Peter's really good at avoiding getting murdered, <laughs> decides to not kill him. And that's when Peter just chalks it up to every day living in New York City. The Big Apple! You know, you, you get your reheated pizza and uh, some attempted murders. I'm sorry, sir. I should have just let you run down with my car. Please, please shoot me. Imagine if he had been doing it on the vine, though. This is our new section. What if it had happened ten years later? What if Peter had been going on the vine and he had started showing off his amazing towers there? And then it got linked back to Norman Osborn. 2010 Peter Parker would have been in a much worse position, or a much better position. Probably. So, Peter goes and looks up research on Osborne Industries when he skips a day at school to try and figure out what is going on, and Osborne Industries Incorporated just has all the information that they've been doing on, like, spiders and other animals online, which is like, uh, we want super spiders. It's like, alright. Uh, it's, it's not usually a good idea, like, sharing your top-secret corporate directives that way, but I guess that's what you want. It's more of Norman saying, look at me, look at the cojones I have. I'm willing to tell all y'all people that I'm making kick-ass super animals and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And we'll do it better than you. And meet the deadline so that all of the investors are pleased. What if Norman had accidentally just left the notes on some college intern's desk and they made a whole website about it without Norman being aware? Oh, well, that's probably that, too. Yeah, there's lots of theories here. We are going to get to the bottom of all of these mysteries. Anyways, Peter gets in trouble for skipping school and is grounded. And when he has to go up to his room, he decides to try and climb walls for the very first time. That is the end of issue one. Issue one is very long. It was also sold in Payless Shoes and other places that comics are not typically sold. Which, if you were in Payless Shoes, you should have picked it up, because I think it's worth like 200 bucks now. Mm-hmm. So, back at school, after accidentally breaking his desk, Peter finds that he now also has enhanced strength and coordination, which even allows him to throw a basketball into Flash Thompson's face which gets him challenged to a fight. Peter accepts the fight, and after school, he breaks Flash Thompson's hand when he catches a punch. That's how you should win every fight. But remember, now, but now Peter's the asshole. Mm, maybe. Well, not necessarily to us, but everyone else, everyone else yeah. kind of thinks he's a dick now. So, Osborne overhears Kenny Kong telling what happened to Harry, and Osborne's like, Harry, my beloved son, I need you to bring Peter to the lab for a personal tour. You can also come along, I suppose, and get hit on by, like, a woman who's 20 years older than you? It's very weird. 
Unfortunately, Flash's family threatens to sue the Parkers if they don't pay the $2,500 bill, which... Was that a lot of money for hospital fees at the time? Um, I don't know. Right now, no. Neither do I. Yeah, like, I feel like that would be five times as much nowadays. Oh, that's like nothing. Yeah. And Peter is in trouble because his family does not have the money. Yet they had the money to go to Disney World. That was like two decades ago. Or like a decade ago. Doesn't matter. They had the cash. Maybe they shouldn't have gone to Disney. Maybe they just used all of Peter's inheritance to go on that big Disney World trip. They like rented out the entire castle on accident. And it's like, oh, oh, Peter, you're not going to college. You best get some good scholarships, boy. Yes. So that night, Peter runs out to take out his aggression, and he ends up in an abandoned factory, dirty dancing style, to get rid of that aggression. Mm -hmm. The next morning, Peter apologizes. He has stopped wearing his glasses because his eyes are fixed now. And he goes on the tour with Harry, where he meets Dr. Octopus, Dr. Otto Octavius, who takes a blood sample, which Peter's like, I, I didn't come here to give blood. Please, I don't want to stay here anymore. So he leaves. But looking at the blood, Dr. Octopus notes that Peter has stabilized and Osborne wants to take the new Oz compound directly on himself instead of like having it fueled through another animal. So at the mall, Crusher Hogan from UCW Spankdown. I I love some of the really weird off-brand things oh, that they have yes. in here. Nobody would watch a wrestling show called Spankdown. Like that's well, a that's not weird... true. I just think it would be a very different type of audience. <laughs> it would be a very weird wrestling show. Oh, for sure. Just a bunch of like people who are into the adult baby yes. fetish. Uh, yeah, so Crusher Hogan challenges people to defeat him in the ring for $500 if they're adults. So Peter makes a mask and is able to defeat Crusher. He is offered another match and he gives the money to Uncle Ben and Aunt May, pretending that it is from the students and faculty at the school who all really, really hate Flash Thompson. And he should totally not be suing them. And also, Peter is great. You should let him stay up extra late. And eat whatever he wants. Including that coffee ice cream. The coach on the basketball team, seeing that Peter is now good at sports, offers Peter Flash's position. And despite being given the mascot number of double zero, Peter leads the team to victory. Well, it also works because it's also the number that was on the spider that bites him. And if you turn it, it looks like an eight, which is the number of legs and eyes and penises that a spider has. That's also true. It also could be the infinity symbol, too, if you were to merge the two zeros together. It could also be two eyes looking at you, seeing your sins, Devin. What have you done? What have you done? Or the way that the shading is on his pants, it looks like a smiley face. Or it could be two butt pockets on a pair of jeans. Yeah. 
<laughs> or maybe he's just really uh, into the smashing pumpkins. <laughs> or he's very into binary. Too. The code, yeah. not Carol Danvers. Well, of course, she identity. doesn't exist yet. Well, she hasn't been created as a character yet. But she doesn't yes. even get her powers until like way late in the game. Because she's just a shield agent. Spoilies! Yeah, spoilies, but fine, yeah. But she's just a shield agent, Luke. So, Mary Jane, liking his new attitude, asks him out, but he turns her down because he's got to wrestle. And he becomes the new UCW Spankdown champion, the amazing Spider-Man. Spankdown is such an awful really name. Also, he's getting like way more money. Damn, Tobey Maguire got screwed in that original one. He he only got three hundred. He was only going to get three hundred for yeah winning the championship. Well, he wasn't going up against Crusher Hogan of UCW Spankdown, and he was homophobic. That's true. I mean, he only he only beat Bonesaw McGraw. That's true. And and was homophobic. And there was a cake match. Anyone can win in a cage match. It's like anyone can win in Smash Brothers when you just use Pokeballs. And let the ultimate ball thing happen. Mm-hmm. Or the assist trophies. They're too so, powerful in this game, Luke. I think some of them are a lot less powerful. Maybe a couple of them, but most of the ones that I've come across, no, they will just end you. Who are you uh, maining in Smash? I play as everyone. But my main... At the same time? No, well, no. But my main people, though, are the Ice Climbers. Oh, yeah. The good boy and girl. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the promoter doesn't like the anonymity of the Spider-Man, but gives him a new costume, which Peter not only adds more details to... But he is also able to pay off a medical bill. And Harry goes to see his father testing the Oz compound. And when we return, most of the scientists are dead or injured. And Harry is also injured, and the lab has been destroyed. After Spider-Man wins another mask, the promoter accuses him of stealing the petty cash. Which, I'm pretty sure it was the promoter using the money to change his hair color. And so Peter runs away. Uh, This issue has a lot of coloring inconsistencies. Yeah. It's, like, really weird and bad at times. Because, like, the promoter's hair color changes, Flash Thompson's hair color changes, Liz Allen's hair color changes, so maybe, like, all three of them decided to steal the money and blame Spider-Man. And then go to the mall. For makeovers? Well, yeah. Makeovers. Makeovers, 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 makeovers. Everyone loves some good old-fashioned mall makeovers. And some Clone High references, Devin. Oh, yeah. And some Clone High references. It's been a while, Luke. But we finally saw a universe where where they had Clone University. That was a good universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse is an amazing movie, and you should see it if you've not seen it, because somehow not a lot of people are seeing it, and it is not pulling in as much money as it deserves. Wait, Despite, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was doing well. Like, 
Bumblebee made made more money. That's not surprising. Those Transformers movies always make like a crap ton of money. Spider Man though. Spider Man. It's true. Friendly neighborhood. Though at one time I will say Bumblebee deserves to be successful. The Bumblebee movie was really good. I haven't seen it yet. I'm probably going to see that or Aquaman tomorrow. I will say this. It is better than Aquaman. Also, far and away the best movie of the Transformers franchise. Which I know isn't saying a lot, but... Yeah, that's life. Anyways! So after changing out of his Spider-Man costume, Peter fails to stop a thief who has robbed a deli. And when Peter gets home, he is in trouble for letting his grades seriously slip. And so he runs away and meets up with Kenny Kong, who lets him crash because he's on the basketball team. And who, it turns out, is a very big Spider-Man fan. Meanwhile, at the party, Liz Allen uh, shows up, tries to make out with Peter. That's the type of party they're at right there. I feel like it's more like one where they just have a mixtape and it could like randomly turn into wish you would step back from that ledge my friend i would understand yes because techno wasn't super big for media depicted teenagers unless they're going to a rave i suppose that's true multiversal q answering the serious questions that'll be the party in like issue 50 that would be the party in Ultimate Ultimate Spider-Man. When everyone's pal Geldof shows up, that'll be the time for this techno music. Geldof the Wizard? Or Geldof the one character in Ultimate Spider-Man. Where I first started reading the series. Oh. <laughs> okay. He blows cars up with his mind. For shits and giggles. And it makes the teens go crazy. <laughs> That was a that was a solid three issues. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't really mention where we had originally started reading the series. So you started at issue fifty. Uh, yeah, it was like I in the mid forties. I got it because at the time, if you bought Frigo Cheese Heads, which was a brand of string cheese, you could send in three proofs of purchases for a kick-ass Marvel t-shirt, but you could also get three free issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Nice. And those are the three issues I got. I, um... Well, yeah, I, I just started reading it when I worked at the comic shop in college. Oh, nice. Because they had, like, most of the trades, and then whatever they didn't have, I read online on uh, Marvel Unlimited. That app. The rest of the books, I guess. So yes, uh, yeah, I remember going to Yellow Springs with him one time, and him looking for Ultimate Spider-Man. My favorite was talking to him once about comic prices because he has two volumes of Volume One of Ultimate Spider-Man because. Ultimate Spider-Man will be number volume one will be worth money someday. Twitch is like, no, Bob, they just reprint. <laughs> Praise. Well, I mean, if it's a first printing, that could be worth it. Well, true. But Ultimate Spider-Man, go to any half price books. That is not a hard book to find. 
No, it is not. Anyways, uh, Liz Allen tries to make out with Peter. Mary Jane walks in and sees it at the right moment because this is a teen drama. And when he goes after her, he runs into Uncle Ben, who gives the weirdest, let's not actually say with great power comes great responsibility. He says, let's go. Okay, he says, let's go, and then he gives the weirdest, let's not say, with great power comes great responsibility speech. And Peter runs off. It's like, Peter, you know, sometimes you're going to have things expected of you because you have a lot of abilities, and with a lot of abilities comes a lot of expectations. Do you understand what I'm saying? And after Peter finally gets home, the police are outside. I wonder what happened. So Harry, meanwhile, makes... So Harry, meanwhile, wakes up, and his mansion that he lives in is on fire. His mother is dead, and a large, mysterious caped figure throws fireballs at him before flying off. You're also forgetting the weird, uh, like, Dark Knight Returns panel that they had there. One of him like jumping through with the silhouettes with the lightning strike coming behind him. Doing the same weird like Batman pose. Yeah. That people don't normally do. Comics are weird. That's how I go every time I've had to jump through a window. Mm-hmm. I've also broke my legs several times jumping through windows. It's not a good way to land. That's probably true. Anyways, uh, Aunt May relates that Uncle Ben was murdered when a thief broke in. He tried to say they had no money or anything valuable, and he got shot because he couldn't stop chuckling. Uncle Ben, he is probably laughing because he's dead now. That's because they had no money. And he's just like, ha ha. Isn't that so funny? You just I don't hear you. You just committed a B&E for nothing, chump. What you gonna do? Add 20 years to life for a murder? Yeah, you're a really big guy. How about you murder me? Right now, I could theoretically not press (laughs) charges, and you would only get a little slap on the wrist. I go to bed every night under a sign that says, fuck the police, so if you leave now, we're good, cousin. No, that's also really true. If he had, if he had, if he had just left, there would have been no charges pressed. Because <laughs> yeah, hashtag Uncle uh, Ben hates the police. Fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> I like this new show energy that yeah. we have, Devin. We're laughing. We haven't laughed in a while. So. Uh, Peter overhears that the thief made another attack and is now stuck in a warehouse, so Peter chases after him, catches him, and realizes that it's the guy he didn't stop who robbed that deli. But he also changed his hair color. Maybe he stole the petty cash. Or maybe he wasn't really the person who did the murder, and it was Sandman. You're right. Who who was just trying to feed his kid, his little daughter. And he also got something for his complexion because he's less sweaty and greasy looking than he was before. It's called moisturizer. Yeah. Better. Even yeah. Maybe he stole some moisturizer from the from the uh, from the deli too. One of those convenience <laughs> stores, deli. 
where they always talk about how hot your mm-hmm. aunt is. Spider-Man! Also, another great thing that they did in the series, which is they made Uncle Ben and Aunt May look like they can, again, be aunt and uncle rather than grandma. I thought you were going to say they fuck. Well, they probably, they probably do. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Peter looks up the thief's information and tosses him to the police and realizes Uncle Ben's words and what they meant, and so he decides to start stopping small crimes. J. Jonah Jameson of the Daily Bugle... Yay! Is meanwhile angry because while every other paper reported on the Spider-Man, the Daily Bugle reported on the fire at the Osborne Mansion. He wants to know about this Spider-Man and starts referring to him as the new OJ. Which that's a choice. That is a two thousands as hell choice. And even then, that's a little late too. Uh huh. Like several years late. Yeah. Peter, meanwhile, made web shooters, but at the same time, fighting crime has been taking a toll on him, so he has quit the basketball team. Harry shows up at school the next day, and the school gets attacked, so Peter, knowing Spider-Man needs to be there but can't actually be coming from the school, makes a diversion so he can leave the school and then enter the danger, and he finds the goblin, who he fights until... The fight leads him outside of the school, and the goblin recognizes him as Peter Parker, where he just keeps saying, Parkour! So Peter tries to catch the goblin, but he fails again, and the police get involved. The police end up shooting the goblin, and the goblin falls off the bridge that they had gone on to, sinking into the water. The police then turn on Spider-Man, who goes back to the school and hides in the rubble, again as Peter Parker. So when Peter is rescued, Harry reveals that the goblin is his father, and he doesn't understand why his father is a giant green man now, and Peter is unsure of what to do. And then in a final shot, we see that the goblin still lives! Yeah, and this is where the first trade ends, but we wanted to get in one more story beat, so... Peter then ends up fighting the Shocker, who he easily stops during a bank robbery. But then the guards think that Spider-Man is going to steal the money, so he leaves. This is Shocker, though, who does not have the super legit costume, though. Yeah, the quilt costume. He's he's just a dude with some shocky gloves. Basically, at this stage in the game, if you're going to be wearing some sunglasses, we all got to be wearing our super small Morpheus sunglasses. So we can tell each other about the Matrix. In a death basket. Hell yeah. Peter overhears that the Bugle is offering money for pictures of Spider-Man. And he does a photo shoot and goes to meet and show the pictures to editor Robbie Robertson, reporter Ben Urick, and J. Jonah Jameson. Yay! Ben Yurik's got a pretty uh, slick goatee in this uh, universe, too. Jameson likes one photo, but they are interrupted when Betty Brandt can't fix the website. So Peter fixes it, explains what he did, and he gets a job after he has Aunt May talk to Jameson to get the exact terms, which Jameson is not a fan of. Oh, true. That night... Peter has a dream about the robber killing Uncle Ben again, so he uses his bugle sources and finds out that the thief works for Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, 
of crime. Peter asks Robbie why it happens, like why the police don't just stop him, and Robbie's like, well, when we tried to go after him, he just bought the majority of the newspaper, and also if we removed him, it would create a power vacuum. And Peter's like, I don't understand anything of what you just said. I'm going to murder the kingpin. So we'll continue our main story next time. But for now, it is time for Ultimate Marvel Team-Up number one through three. Issue one was written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Matt Wagner, colors by JC, and letters by Comicraft. JC, like from NSYNC? No, JC, like our lord and savior, Justin Charles. I should have known. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start off with Wolverine who hears some racist white people talking about mutants and how they don't like mutants and so he threatens him <gasps> I hate how ultimate Wolverine looks Devin he looks like he fronts a rap rock band well he does in this universe he's the lead singer of Limp Biscuit. yeah uh, it's only second to Ultimate Sabretooth, who looks like normal Sabretooth, except he's not in the bodysuit, and he just made poor life choices and got bad tribal mm-hmm. tattoos all over his body. Uh, so Wolverine fights Sabretooth and his government goons, uh, and then he gets on the subway and escapes, and they have to chase after him. Meanwhile, Spider-Man stops some people robbing a store, is called a mutant, and has a moment of crisis over what it would mean if he was actually a mutant. Wolverine, meanwhile, has a pissy phone call with Charles Xavier because he doesn't want to deal with Sabretooth, and then he immediately goes to deal with Sabretooth and the government agents on a rooftop. They fight and fall off a rooftop, spilling into Times Square where Spider-Man saves Wolverine and a little girl and tries to break them up. The crowd is angry, though, and the police aren't helping, so Spider-Man takes Wolverine away. They talk, and Spider-Man asks if Wolverine knows if Spider-Man is a mutant, and Wolverine is like, do you know where you got your powers from? And Spider-Man's like, no, I don't. And Wolverine's like, well, that means you're not a mutant. And so Spider-Man leaves. Boy, it's a good thing nothing would ever come and make Spider-Man know would make Spider-Man and the other mutants know where they got their powers from, which would, by Wolverine's definition here, not make them mutants. Yeah, that it did make a little sense. Yeah. Also, Peter, why don't you know where he so got your So the next day at from? school... He does know where he got his powers from, but he doesn't know if that makes him oh. a mutant or not. It technically makes him a oh, mutant. So... The next day at school, Peter tries having Wolverine hair, and he just gets made fun of it has food thrown at him. The end! It's not very good. It is a very bad story about dealing with uh, race and secret identities, and yeah, it's just a bad story. Yeah. The first bad issue of Ultimate Marvel. So issues two and three were penciled by Phil Hester with inks by Andy Parks, colors by JC, letters by Richard Starkings, and Comicraft in Uric, and Peter are hanging out at the Daily Bugle when he gets a call from a general that a giant green monster is coming near the city. J. Jonah Jameson. Yay! And Robbie Robertson are meanwhile having an argument about covering the beaten scare. Peter goes after this giant green monster, thinking that it might be the goblin. 
and he ends up having a big fight with the Hulk when he tries to protect the people who are getting in the Hulk's way. So he tries to lead the Hulk away from the city. When they, uh, when they end up getting to the docks, the Hulk smells fish and eats one, reverting from the giant green monster form he was in into just being Bruce Banner, dweeby scientist. General Thunderbolt Ross, who probably reached out to Ben Urich and his men come in wanting to color Bruce Banner, which will allow him to control them. But instead, Bruce Banner hulks out again. The military attacks. The Hulk escapes and Spider-Man is left behind, tired but valued by the people who he saved. Menace? This Question one... mark? Yeah. Now we get to add the question mark instead of just the exclamation point. That's the way these things work. And so, yeah, that wraps us up. We've got three stories right now, and we're going to be putting on the ultimate rankings, where we're going to rank every ultimate universe story. So are you ready, Devin? Let's do it, Luke. So our number one is definitely going to start off being Ultimate Spider-Man, number one through seven. Very much. Uh, our number two would probably be Marvel Team-Up, number two through three. Yep. Because that, that was at least still an, uh, was an enjoyable story arc, and very much captured what the original Marvel Team-Up books were. Yes. And then our bottom story right now is going to be Marvel Team-Up number one. We'll end up adding or ranking number eight and the rest of that arc when that one gets done. But yeah, Devin, I think we did a pretty good job here. Yeah, oh, it was a good first episode. Mm-hmm. So we have ranked, uh, we cover the story. I believe all that's left is telling people where they can find us. You can find the main podcast, Multiverse Q, at multiversalq.com. And this is going to be something that next week and the week after, we're going to do one episode right after another to keep to the schedule that I made up. But then after that, it's going to be every other week, just because we're covering a lot of stories each week. And then after that point, it's just going to be whenever we get done. Well, no, after that point, it's going to be alternating weeks and then bonus episodes of Multiversal Q when things like movies are coming out. Or if they decide to cover or do another big alternate universe event that we actually are going to cover. Yeah. Uh, You can go see image galleries, rankings, and everything else at multiversalq.com you can also follow us on twitter and we also have a facebook page uh next week we should have a new theme song a new cover art and more assuming that everything goes well and that this episode did not end up uh destroying itself devon where can people find you online Oh, you can find me online at Fred Ofet. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And you can also hear both of us on the At Exile podcast, which is a little RPG thing that Luke likes to run. Yeah, it is a ultra... <laughs> That's a weird way of putting that. Uh, it is a 
comics alternate universe adventure role-playing game podcast where we use the old Marvel phase rip system and a few other things and tell a long-running story. There's a lot of archives there. Uh, you can also find me on the John Wiki podcast where I am going through the John Wick Wikipedia page with my uh, girlfriend Abby and we are using that as a way for me to explain what John Wick is to her. Uh, because it's on Wikipedia page, we are still working on getting through all of the actors' edit names. And uh, you can also find me on the new podcast that is going to be starting on the 15th, which is called RPG Pals Club, which you can find at rpgpals.club. And that's a more standard Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition adventure using the Waterdeep Dragon Heist uh, campaign. I think that wraps us up. Oh, we also have a Patreon where if you enjoy the podcast uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can get early episodes of Exiled, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and I don't know, we might do some other additional bonus content. But for now, I think we're pretty good, Devin. Are we good? I think we're good. That sounds good to me. Uh, We'll be back next week as we are covering... Our Ultimate Universe Part 2, which will include Spider-Man numbers 9 through 13 and Ultimate Team-Up number 4 through 5. That is all we have for this week. We'll see you next time. Catch you on the flip mode. Peace.